1: Welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti, and today's episode is coming to you a little bit later than I had anticipated. I got a little bit held up at Whole Foods, picking out some cheeses for my charcuterie board creation that I'm making today. Um, One of my friends, one of my close friends from college is coming to stay with us for a little while, uh, and I thought... I would surprise her with one of my charcuterie creations. You guys know I've been deeply into uh, creating cheese boards and charcuterie boards. Charcuterie meaning more than just cheese. So there's like meats and the nuts and all the things. Um, So I've been really into that. So I'm making one today and I needed all of the perfect ingredients. I'm just now realizing actually as I'm speaking I forgot the figs but we'll live. It's fine. Um, I have plenty of other things. i you know i really take my sweet time in there because i want to make sure that i get all the colors right it just really is a full experience you know putting together a cheese board it's not just about the taste it's also about the aesthetic so got really held up in there i look at my my phone in the cart and i'm like oh my god i have to podcast like what am i doing i'm just like meandering through the aisles just you know taking my sweet time. So anyway, in today's episode, we're going to get started with a few of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Podcasts, plural. So I have four, actually four different recommendations for you guys of different podcasts that I really enjoy listening to, a lot of which I feel a lot lot of you guys might have never heard of. So I'm excited to share those with you all. Um, They're kind of in the... History, storytelling, uh, self-help sort of realm. Um, of course, I have you know a slew of podcasts, like lifestyle-based podcasts that I love that my friends have. But there's some that I just am so into that I feel like are very much for a specific type of person. And I feel like I have a suspicion that a lot of you guys. Are that person. So stay tuned for that. We're gonna talk about that first and just some like overall life updates and things. And then later on in the episode, of course, I have a story for you all. It's a deeply scandalous tale about the power of a little black dress and a little determination kind of reminiscent of our previous episode the revenge dress which was about princess diana's uh, black dress that she wore as her husband was like cheating on her and they got that like huge blowout divorce and all that she like shows up in you know the media went wild over this black dress that she wore Really to just show, you know, like I am the shit no matter what. So yeah, black dresses, really, there's a lot of power there. So I have a really great story to share with you guys from history, of course, because that is my jam. So yeah, that's what today's episode is going to be all about. I hope that it's a fun one and takes you into the Labor Day weekend in good spirits. Although I just can't believe that this weekend is Labor Day weekend. I literally have no plans. Like I have been constantly asked by like my manager, my my parents even like, oh, what are you up to this weekend? I'm like, um, probably the same thing I've been doing every weekend. A.K.A. spending most of the time inside, but also at the beach, but like really not doing anything specific or even remotely exciting. But yeah. Um, uh, that's just that's just life. So, I guess we can get into my favorite podcasts as of late or my top 4 recommendations, podcasts you might not have heard of, but you should know because they're great. Um, you guys know I love you know podcasts like gals on the go and what we said and mood by Lauren Elizabeth. and you know there's so many others that just like aren't coming to mind but like I love and I have so many on rotation um, like lifestyle based podcasts, interview based podcasts, things like that. Um, but then there's some that I just really I really gravitate towards when I'm having just a certain kind of day and I either need like a spooky story, some like random fun facts I didn't know I needed. Just, you know, heart-to-heart type things, Um, just really smart people. I don't know, not to say uh, my friends aren't smart, but, you know, there's certain just like really, really smart researchers out there that have these awesome podcasts, and I'm just so happy I've stumbled upon them. So the first one I want to talk about, you guys might know that I am going to talk about this because I just, I love it. I love creepy, spooky things. I think it's like the Scorpio in me, but it's called Lore. Lore short for folklore. Um, And lore is hosted by this fellow freelancer. His name is Aaron Mankey, and he um, created this podcast about basically nonfiction, scary stories. So they're all real, like real stories. And he does intense research to find out just like every, you know, little detail about these spooky stories and what I love about them is he really, he is an excellent storyteller. He really weaves a bunch of different stories from different time periods about similar topics together in a beautiful seamless manner something that I could only dream of doing for my podcast you guys know I do love history I love spooky creepy things but I just his way of just weaving it all together and relating it to his own life is incredible so I love lore Um, each of the episodes examines just real historical events that, quote, show the dark side of human nature, usually through the lens of folklore, and is presented in a style that's been compared to a campfire experience. That's directly from his um, his like synopsis of his podcast. And I could not agree more. Like It really does feel like I'm in the middle of the woods, like with my Girl Scout troop back in middle school, listening to spooky stories like that's exactly what it feels like but they're not too scary to the point where it's like I mean some crime podcasts I love crime podcasts too like Crime Junkie is one of my favorites but I find sometimes it gets a little bit too creepy because it's just like thriller style whereas lore at least feels kind of it feels kind of like folklore so it feels you know kind of mythological or i don't know what the right word is there but incredible stuff i love his episodes um and his voice just i don't know why but i'm just really drawn to it the way that he enunciates and just like finishes his sentences i just i really love it and i think i mean hey podcasts are half what they're saying and half what they sound like when they're saying it because if you can't stand someone's way of speaking and voice, it's going to be hard for you to enjoy the podcast. That's just like the cold hard truth, okay? So I really do love his voice and it really helps with the experience, the spooky experience. So that's the first one, Lore. It's spelled L-O-R-E. Check that one out. I think it's on all platforms. Um, The second one I want to talk about is called Unlocking Us by Brene Brown. And Brene Brown, you guys might have heard of her, she has a bunch of books out um, and she's just one of those people that everyone, I like find a lot of people follow her on Instagram, like I'll look at the mutuals that follow her and I'm like oh my god, like all my friends follow her, like she is just that person that a lot of people know, she has a lot of ties with celebrities and things like that, Um, she's a doctor, so Dr. Brene Brown. I have a little uh, synopsis on her as well, is a research professor who has spent the past two decades of her life studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. Um, she's also a number one New York Times bestselling author, and in her podcast, Unlocking Us, she unpacks and explores the ideas, stories, experiences, books, films, and music that reflect the universal experiences of being human, from the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted. hearted And she put out an episode not too long ago. Um, I believe it was maybe her like three episodes ago. She doesn't put out a ton of episodes, honestly. She puts out pretty sparingly, um, but every single episode is a work of art and clearly took a lot of research and a lot of work. So I really do appreciate her episodes, even though they aren't as frequent. Um, But one of her episodes uh, from a few weeks ago, or maybe a few months ago now, was about just shame. And, you know, when you've done something wrong or you've made a mistake, um, you know, taking accountability for the mistake and just like how to navigate, you know, life when you've clearly made made a mistake and you've done something wrong. Because of course... Everyone would love to just go through life without making a single mistake and being perfect and, you know, never upsetting anyone, never offending anyone. But that is just not how the cookie crumbles. Of course, that just comes along with being human. You make mistakes and, you know, you need to, in order to move on, take accountability for those mistakes and apologize when you need to. Um, And so she handled the subject so well. She really gave great advice. That was the first episode I'd heard. And then from then on out, I just like binged her episodes. She's definitely like one of those kind of mother figures where I really see her as someone that just gives amazing advice, okay? She's been around the block. She knows what to say always. So I really love her episodes. She interviews a lot of celebrities. She did one on Little Fires Everywhere with Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon, which was really amazing. That one's also a really good one. Um, but yeah, that is another podcast that I really thoroughly enjoy, Unlocking Us, Brene Brown. Um, She also has great books, like I said, so definitely just like check her out, deep dive. You won't be disappointed. Her Instagram, she posts a lot of quotes on there that are really, that I really resonate with. Um, So check that one out. So that's the second one. The third one, third podcast that I love is called Heart to Heart. And um, I've actually recently befriended the two uh, hosts of this podcast and I really really respect them both. I follow both their social media platforms and I just really love all that they do on the internet. But they have this podcast called Heart to Heart. And it's called uh, Heart to Heart, Lived Experiences of Two Black Women. And Kim and Bria are the hosts and they quote, discuss the adventures of two black girls navigating the world around them. They discuss meaningful musings about college life and current events. So they're a bit younger than me, um, but I really, really love their podcast episodes. They are two extremely well-spoken, just super intelligent young women, and I really, really appreciate their episodes. I think that they, you know, especially as a white woman – you know, who feels rather privileged a lot of the time, it's really refreshing listening to their episodes and hearing the truth of what happens to people of color and people, it's just experiences that I will never know firsthand, but I need to know about because otherwise change will not happen in this world. And we need to know, what happens to people that aren't us. We can't just turn a, turn the other cheek and turn a blind eye, that's the phrase, and pretend like things aren't happening in the world because they are. And so listening to their episodes, they are super transparent about very hard things. And I really admire their courage with all of their episodes. And they talk about just like really real stuff too. Like, I mean, really real things that all of us experience. So definitely check out Heart to Heart. I believe it's on all platforms as well. Um, there's like a it's like a blue cover and their faces are on it, so you'll notice it. Um, but yeah, really great podcast as well. I definitely have that one on rotation. And the fourth podcast that I wanted to talk about is called Ologies with Ali Ward. Um, and so I didn't know that Ali Ward was actually like famous until like I discovered the podcast first, and then I figured out who she was. So Ali Ward is an American writer, actress. TV and podcast hosts. So she's hosted a bunch of different TV shows. She likes um like science and also kind of spooky, creepy things. Um, but she's so well spoken. Again, love her voice. That's like a big selling point for podcasts and things that I listen to. Um, but here is the premise of Ologies. It's a comedic science podcast, which if you just like heard that line, you know, comedic science podcast, I probably like would not say that that's like my type in terms of like what I listen to but I promise you this podcast will pleasantly surprise you. I am obsessed with it. It could be the way that she presents it that just makes it a lot more digestible for me because science was not my favorite or best subject through school but she talks about a lot of really interesting stuff that I mean, I'm just, like, a total, like, sucker for fun facts. I love just, like, fun facts, learning about things I know nothing about. Like, I really do find joy and just like random facts and random like science I guess. I'm like really nerdy I suppose but yeah let me read the synopsis of this podcast. This is courtesy of Apple Podcasts. It says volcanoes, trees, drunk butterflies, Mars missions, slug sex, death, beauty standards, anxiety busters, beer science, bee drama, Take away a pocketful of science knowledge and charming, bizarre stories about what fuels these professional ologists' obsessions. Humorist and science correspondent Allie Ward asks smart people stupid questions, and the answers might change your life. Yeah, so she basically navigates it, not as an expert, but she interviews experts on very niche things, like experts on volcanoes or on fossils or just very specific things, And it's so entertaining because she asks the questions that we all are wondering or, like, that we all are curious about. Like, there's one – she did a whole episode on sex, and that one was really interesting, Um, and sex in, like, different species and just, like – you know sex for pleasure and just like a lot of like very interesting topics she's done podcasts on decluttering she did one on that I really enjoyed um, like the Marie Kondo sort of thing and just like she talks to extremely smart people about the science behind things that we just kind of pass off as something typical and normal and we never really like dive deep and you know ask those interesting hard questions so yeah love that podcast as well Um, yeah, so those are my four recommendations. I hope that you guys maybe haven't heard of one of those and have a new podcast to dive into. I know a lot of us sometimes feel kind of fatigued with a certain podcast we're listening to and we just need to hear a new voice filling our headphones, filling our speakers. So definitely check out those four podcasts. I really do love and respect all the people that are behind those and think they're great. That was super highly requested from you guys. A lot of you wanted to hear my favorite podcast cuz I talked about my favorite books and movies and stuff last episode. So you guys wanted to hear my favorite podcast. So that is my little baby list. Of course there's more. Maybe I'll talk about more in future episodes, but for now I want to hold you guys all hostage in my podcast. Please listen to mine. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um not. But anyway, let's segue into my next topic of business. So I did Want to talk a little bit about new seasons of life because although the first day of fall isn't until the end of this month, I believe it's around the 20th, 22nd or something like that. Um, that's the last day of summer and the beginning of fall I always think that like after Labor Day it's basically fall that's just like in my head how it's always been I remember going back to school in like high school even before that and thinking oh you know the first day of school basically marks the first day of fall because although it's still kind of warm it's like you know we're back in this new mindset of or not new but just like the previous mindset of like okay we're in grind mode we're in school mode like summer's over that's just how it always felt and as you know now I'm an adult and I don't go to school anymore (laughs) although I do kind of miss it like oddly I miss just like the supplies and just pretending to study and things like that regardless of when the first day of fall actually is it does feel like we are on the cusp of a new season a new feeling a new chapter of life of the year and hopefully a better one than the previous ones this year
0: today's episode is brought to you by Angie When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: And so I stumbled across this graphic on Instagram. Um, if you don't follow this account, you definitely should. It's a kind of design-based account. Um, I really enjoy it because, of course, I do love design. So if you guys are a design snob, love how things look and, you know, pretty graphics and things, definitely follow. It's called Kindled and Kindred. And I think they're based in Minnesota, but I love their graphics. And they posted something, um, I believe it was a couple, yeah, two days ago. They posted, it's called Cleanse for New Seasons. And it says, as the seasons change, so do we. May we be aware we are shifting just like the wind. Which is a really pretty concept. And under that, they have all these different prompts and different categories. So there's body, mind, space, and soul. And they just have different little things underneath each, Um, just little like thought starters, little like concepts to consider and ways to cleanse for the new season. So under body, I'm just going to read a few of these. It says, um, ease into seasonal sleep patterns and daylight shifts, cook a beautiful plant based meal, embrace seasonal activities for natural movement, research local seasonal vegetables and fruits. I just think sounds great. I, I love there's this farmer's market nearby and I got so many fresh vegetables there. And I just swear, I mean, they're so much better than Whole Foods. I know Whole Foods, like they get them directly from farmers and things. But for some reason, just like seeing the man who prepared these foods from his garden just makes it taste better. I don't know why. It's just like the full experience. I've been trying to get like local in-season vegetables and fruits out here and just... Seasonal activities, I've been going on a lot of hikes and a lot of just nature walks and things. So I've been really trying to ease myself in to the new season, as they suggest. So under two, it's mind. It says journal regularly and create seasonal affirmations. I journal regularly. I have never really like done the affirmation thing. I definitely should. I should put them, you know, a little sticky. I have like sticky notes with like little quotes, but they're not like affirmation based or like written like that. So I should definitely get into that. Do a social media cleanse, unfollow, and mute. I definitely need to do that. I need to go on at least a muting spree. Like, if you don't have the courage to unfollow people, like, I mean, okay, courage is like, okay you just don't want to unfollow someone because you know there's a lot of implications with unfollowing people definitely mute them I have learned this pro tip and I have executed and done this a lot like there are people that I still follow that I just mute not because I I hate them or don't like them but because their content just like causes me some sort of like stress or anxiety or comparison or things like that and you know social media ultimately should help you not hurt you so I suggest that too um create a seasonal playlist. I'm about to start my fall playlist. I have one from every year prior, so I definitely need to start that. If you guys are looking for fall playlists, definitely check out my Spotify. I have a lot on there. I have like one that's like titled pumpkin spice or something. I can't, That that's how long ago. Cause like, you know, when pumpkin spice was like huge, I definitely indulge in like the lattes and everything, but like there was a time back in like, you know, mid-college where it was like the like, I remember being abroad in Italy craving a pumpkin spice latte anyway. I haven't had one in a few years now, but then write a seasonal bucket list of activities to bring joy. So that's cute. And then there's space, which is deep, clean living space to release stagnant energy, declutter and release unused objects with gratitude. Bring natural, seasonal scents into your living spaces and organize for clarity and calm. I definitely need to do just a huge organization day. My closet, I I know I just moved in, but it's still kind of in shambles. I need to like, I actually have a friend out here who is a professional organizer like that is her job she goes in and organizes like famous people's closets and things so i definitely need to get her in here to help me organize my life i have a tendency of just stuffing things into drawers and not thinking about them and yeah that needs to stop okay number four is soul and it says check in with yourself often through seasonal shifts celebrate daily wins Honor needs for rest, affirmation, softness, and play. And finally, plan times to connect with your community in real life away from a screen. I've been definitely limiting my screen time and I've done that by just turning off all of my my, uh, notifications, which I know is kind of bold because I even turned off my text notifications. So I've definitely missed a few things here and there, but it really does affect my work when my phone is just like buzzing constantly or even when it's not buzzing but I just know that I have a notification like it's just like a weird like sixth sense sort of thing so what I do is I like turn my notifications off throw my phone in a corner and just like don't look at it and my screen time has been really down so that's definitely helped me too and like trying to see people in social distance scenarios but like you know being safe and all But seeing other people because there's definitely like a, you know, a a connectiveness that we need, that we we crave as humans. So, and then alongside that, they have all these different prompts, which I definitely recommend reading on your own. It's like, this season I want to, this season I'm actively manifesting, blah, 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 like all that stuff. Which, yeah, I just think this is a great resource. I have it saved on my Instagram and I'm probably going to like print it out or something because I feel like it's great. You know, the prompts are even great for my journaling because I always find that I need, you know, ways to just come up with things to journal about so this is definitely helpful but yeah kindreding or kindled and kindred that is the account that I recommend you guys follow it has like 4,000 followers um yeah and they're based in twin cities Minnesota they have really great stuff I share their stuff constantly so you might even already be following them because you've seen that I share they have like this really awesome like neutral black and white sort of aesthetic Um, aesthetic, sorry. A lot of you guys have actually DM'd me recently that I say aesthetic, aesthetic wrong. And I don't know why I do it. Like, I know there's an H in there. I just like, I don't know. (laughs) This episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by GladSkin. GladSkin. And let me tell you a little bit about them. So I personally don't know about you guys, but I love good news in my life. And earlier this year, I made a YouTube video where I opened up about my biggest insecurities. It was super difficult for me to film, but I felt like it would really help so many people. And it really did. And the video was actually all about my struggles with eczema, which has bugged me for years. I've had the most horrendous, just painful eczema on my hands, on my arms, on my face, under my eyes, just really in various parts of my body and it's been a massive insecurity of mine I've had to cover up my body with clothing and just different accessories just being so fearful that people would see my eczema and not to mention it was super uncomfortable and I discovered Gladskin eczema cream about like Six months ago, I think now, and it's really changed my life. Gladskin scientists actually found that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance in their skin, meaning their skin's microbiome is just out of whack. And Gladskin Eczema Cream with Microbalance is so much more than just another moisturizer on the shelf. It works by rebalancing your skin's microbiome and providing relief from that itchy redness situation that I just I know so well because I've experienced it my whole life with eczema, and I. I noticed a huge transformation in my skin after only two days of using it. It's just amazing how quickly and efficiently it works. Um, It's a really unique product and I've noticed so much change in my skin. I use it twice a day or more than that sometimes. And it's just really unique. It's um, already been a proven solution for eczema relief in Europe for five years, and it just became available in the US this year. Wish I knew about it sooner. It's different from steroids and traditional over-the-counter moisturizers because they don't rebalance the skin's microbiome. What's worse, they actually contain preservatives, which kills all the bacteria, even the good bacteria that's needed for healthy skin. So I like to say that GladSkin works smarter, not harder, making it safe for everyone, even little babies as young as three months old. You just apply it twice a day, daily, even on sensitive areas like eyelids. I get it super bad right underneath my eyes and it's a really sensitive area and I don't find that it really irritates my skin at all. It doesn't at all, I have very sensitive skin, and even when your skin feels fine or you have no flare-ups, it's good just to use as a moisturizer. Um, It can be used proactively to keep eczema under control and you can't overuse it, that's not a thing. So it's free of steroids, fragrances, preservatives, and drying alcohols. It's been clinically proven to reduce eczema itch and redness, and there are no drug side effects. It's been clinically tested. It's hypoallergenic, dermatologist recommended, and accepted by the National Eczema Association. And you can get it shipped right to your door at gladskin.com and it's backed by the Gladness Guarantee. You can try it risk-free for 60 days, love it, or your money back. If you guys suffer from eczema or know someone that does, definitely try out GladSkin. I have been such a proponent of it for so long because I believe that it truly does work and I use it myself twice a day. So be sure to check it out, get some for yourself, and use my code KATY10, that's K-A-T-Y 10, for 10% off any $35 plus GladSkin purchase, and that includes standard free shipping. So use my code katy 10 on gladskin.com for 10% off. So I suppose we are now in the part of the episode, the latter end of the episode where I discuss someone from history you might not have heard of. And this week we're talking about Lily Langtree. She's a socialite turned actress and her story is really incredible. Kind of a not so much rags to riches, but in her mind it was a rags to riches sort of story and there's just a lot of really interesting things. She rubbed rubbed shoulders with, is that the, the phrase? Rubbed shoulders? She like came in contact with a bunch of famous people from history. Her story overall is a really interesting one. I had a great time researching her because there is so much tea involved in Lily Langtree's life, so I can't wait to tell you guys more about her. So our story begins in Jersey and when I... First, read Jersey. I was like, New Jersey? That's so interesting. No, there's like actually a place, an island called Jersey, and it's part of the British Isles. Um, and it's you know, it's interesting because it's not a part of the UK, but it's a British Crown Dependency. So I'm still a little confused about it. It was just like a very small. Small place. I believe, yeah, their population is only 97,000 people. So it's pretty small. It's the largest of the Channel Islands between England and France. There's a lot of British and French influence there. And this is where uh, Emily Langtree, nicknamed Lily, was born in 1853. She was the daughter of Reverend William Corbett Le Breton. She was the sixth of seven children and the only girl in her family. And when she was growing up, she was a bit of a wild child. She had various teachers who refused to teach her, like, because they could not physically manage her so Lily was educated by her brother's tutor she grew up rather you know well off and her education was of a wider and more solid nature supposedly than the typical education that girls were given at the time so she did get a different type of schooling due to you know using her brother's tutor versus one of her own and I think that definitely shaped her as a person and her priorities because she was taught that she could really do anything you know so despite being well off and you know you know, having a prominent family and things like that. Uh, Her home life was a little bit rough because her father was a playboy, (laughs) to say it nicely. He held a respectable position at a church in England, but he had this bad reputation as a ladies' man. He actually slept around in his congregation, like people that came to church every Sunday and hung around the church, fathered a bunch of kids, had a bunch of illegitimate children with people in his congregation it's just really interesting um so this caused his wife to leave him lily's mother and that definitely caused some just overall rifts in their home life and it also probably likely propelled lily to be very rebellious because soon after this at just 20 years old she would get married to someone six years her senior an irish landowner and widower edward langtree her parents really objected this marriage, but she did it anyway. She thought that he was a lot wealthier than he actually turned out to be. And Lily soon found herself bored and depressed by the sedentary lifestyle that was typical for women of her class. So she wasn't poor by any means but she definitely wasn't as wealthy as she wanted to be apparently and her world would eventually change when the Langtrees moved to London in the 1870s. So during their first year in London the Langtrees were virtually unnoticed by society. Again, they weren't the wealthiest people around. They weren't the poorest. They were just kind of there in the middle. And, you know, through meeting some people here and there in passing, I'm not really sure how they met these people. They met some people with small titles and, you know, some somewhat wealthy people. And when they met Lily, they really, she really wowed them with her personality, with her demeanor. And they, you know, her and her husband Edward were you know beginning to receive cards that's like invitation cards for all the society functions despite not being the wealthiest people ever they were still wanted at these events because they were delightful people said and so on a mild may evening in 1877 lily's car pulled up alongside lady seabright's house in Lowndes square a mile or two from buckingham palace in london And at this time, she was mourning the death of one of her brothers. And as was customary for the time, you wear black in tribute for kind of a long time after the death. So she wore this really simple square-necked black dress to this event. And she didn't have many gowns. She really had just one. And this was the one. So she wore this very simple dress, was escorted into the party with her husband at her side, and instantly felt severely underdressed. She walked into this dazzling party and everyone there was decked out in jewels and nice silks and just really, you know, screamed wealth to her. And she definitely probably felt a little underdressed. That's how I would feel. I've definitely felt that way before sometimes when you get the dress code wrong and, you know. But she walked in and despite feeling, you know, like maybe she wasn't the most elaborate well-dressed person in the room. She just I think, you know, to a certain extent probably knew or sensed that this was a type of lifestyle that she so desperately wanted and didn't have at the time because of her marriage and, you know, who she married and what she married into. But yeah, she walks into this party and the women are kind of staring over their glasses at her, just kind of trying to figure out who she is and who she knows. And she stood next to her husband without a single jewel on her body, her hair tied in a simple bun. But almost magically, she was suddenly encircled by men. All of these men, um, artists, you know, mus- musicians, just creative types, uh, surrounded her. Despite the fact that she was standing right next to her husband, these men came over and were just... Ooing and awing over her, even in her simple state, because she just had this very undeniable simple beauty to her, um, and these artists at this party were actually competing to use her as a model and later on she would receive this nickname the Jersey Lily which you might have heard of she's been you know called this for a while from her portrait painted by this man John Everett Millais, who discovered her at this party so she just had this very clean undeniable beauty that was not in your face she wasn't trying to be the loudest and most decked out in jewels at the party she came in a very simple black dress her hair tied in a bun not, you know, decked out in any sort of jewels, flanked by her husband, and yet people really fell for her. So this just began Lily's ascent into high society. So the rich and powerful Earl of Rancliffe, rich due to a large coal fortune, pushed Lily's husband aside at the party and insisted that he escort her to the dinner table. And Lady Seabright, the host of the party, actually took Lily aside after dinner and whispered in her ear, You'll be the talk of London tomorrow, Lily. You're a tremendous success, which she must have felt great about herself. I don't know. You know, living a very boring, dull life and then all of a sudden, you know, moving to London, wanting to be a part of high society and becoming this like overnight success due to, you know, her simple way of presenting herself you know it's really it was probably pretty unexpected for her so almost like that photos and sketches of lily soon appeared in shop windows making her an overnight sensation and trendsetter of the century she became a regular guest at society events surrounded by artists intellectuals and members of high society and lord randolph churchill the father of winston churchill who was at this time a baby wrote his wife after one of these dinner parties with lily and her husband and said Lily was, quote, a most beautiful creature, quite unknown, very poor, and they say has but one black dress. I'm telling you guys, it's the power of the LBD. Everyone needs a little black dress in their repertoire because it evidently, you know, just takes a black dress and some, you know, natural beauty to really wow the likes of high society. I don't know. So... Uh, basically, just to you know, give some context into her marriage at this time. So her husband was, of course, going to all these events with her. And, you know, she wasn't allowed at the time really to go anywhere by herself as a married woman. So she went with her husband everywhere. She kind of dragged him along. And it really did put their marriage on the rocks because, you know, he definitely didn't like seeing his wife being swooned over, you know, by all these random men and married men at that. And he kind of faded into the background and increasingly just became really drunk all the time at all of these functions. So at a late dinner party, Lily and her husband actually met the Prince of Wales. He was a short man decked out with medals on his coat from his military um, involvement. And he said to Lily, I've seen your photographs all over London. I must say they hardly attest to your beauty. And a friend told Lily that the Prince was, quote, very much interested in forming a possible friendship with you. And she was instantly smitten with him. And this began an affair that would last on and off for the rest of their lives. The Prince of Wales, of course, would later become King Edward, and Lily soon became his mistress. In their affair together, they referred to as negotiations. I don't know why, but like throughout all the the resources I was reading, it just said that they called it like, we're just making negotiations. Like that's what the affair was. I don't know. Uh, There was this rule that if the Prince of Wales was to attend a party, Lily must be also invited. So this just propelled her even more so into high society. And during this time, the English aristocracy was actually really fond of these bizarre dinnertime activities and like pranks. And so at these high society events, Lily was really, really into this stuff, really loved just hijinks and pranks and things and some of these consisted of sliding downstairs um, at house parties on silver trays and apparently this was popularized by Lily. The girl loved her pranks and one of these was at a party she like kind of dared the Prince of Wales to drink a cup of champagne with a flea, like a live flea in the bottom of it. And she told everyone that she got the, the flea from her horse, literally plucked it off of her horse and then put it in this cup of champagne and forced the Prince of Wales to drink it. And apparently he was reluctant to swallow the flea. But since Lily asked him to, he downed the wine, swimming flea and all. And a short time later, at the same party, Lily shoved a piece of ice down his collar. So it sounds like she had her fair share of fun at all these parties, while her husband just like sat at home drinking himself to death. It's kind of sad to think about. Um, but yeah, so she loved high society. She decided at some point to leave her husband. Um, so she was no longer living with him, although he wouldn't give her a divorce. So she just kind of remained married to him, but, you know, wasn't living under the same roof as him, wasn't surrounded by him, um, didn't really know what he was up to at all. And she became really close with people like Oscar Wilde, Sarah Bernhardt, Prime Minister William Gladstone, a bunch of just really famous high society people. And she was hurrying to lunch one day. So this just kind of shows her celebrity. She eventually became a celebrity in her own right. And she was hurrying to lunch. And in her haste of hurrying out the door, she wound black velvet around her head and pinned it with a quill, like a writing instrument. And this headpiece appeared in every store window. Shoes and parasols were named after her. And she was just a an overnight sensation. Um, and it all started with a black dress. So while she was engaging in all sorts of affairs with people, she became pregnant. It's unclear who the father of the child was. Um, it could have been one of her close friends. It could have been the Prince of Wales. We're not really sure. Um, it's kind of hard to find out. There was like some conflicting reports online, but her only child, Jean-Marie Langtree Malcolm, was born in 1881 in a cottage on the Isle of Jersey, back where she's from. And she remained close with her daughter. She did leave her kind of in the control or the custody of her mom um, while she actually did something crazy, which leads us to the next part of our story. So since she had a daughter, her relationship with the Prince of Wales was kind of on the rocks and definitely waned quite a bit. He ended up paying her or giving her some money to you know, care for the child, assuming that it was his, but uh, apparently there's a chance it might not have been his I'm not really sure but regardless he kind of cut ties with her and didn't really want to be involved with her anymore now that she had a kid so she definitely started to take some heat for that um and had all these debts and things and knew that she needed to make a change in her life so her friend Oscar Wilde um and just some other friends of hers encouraged her to go into theater And get involved in acting so she would actually go down as one of the first socialite turned actresses of her time and while her child was cared for by her mother um, Lily was coached by this woman named Miss Henrietta Labouchere and she made her official debut as an actress in January 1882 in London's Haymarket Theatre and her acting career soon developed from there. She did some charity shows at first and then she eventually would get some roles in some big time performances and she embarked to the US um, for one of these and she apparently just had one hell of a PR team because her opening in the US filled the entire theater and brought in almost $10,000 opening night which was a lot of money back then and she wasn't a critically acclaimed actress or anything of that nature but she, as a you know socialite and a celebrity, people flocked to watch her perform Due to this status and this made her even more popular not only in London but also in the United States. And this leads us to Lily's next romance. She met this man named Frederick Gebhard. He went by Freddie and he was a wealthy, young, Baltimore-based playboy. They had an affair that lasted 8 years and he was actually 22 when they met. She was 29, so 7 years his senior. And Freddie really wanted to marry Lily. He wanted to make it official, he wanted to marry her. But her husband, Edward, her deserted husband, would still not give her a divorce. So she couldn't officially marry Freddie. Um, It's pretty sad, honestly. Lily's first husband, Edward, the one who literally introduced her into London society, like got her to London from her small island and literally lost her in the same way that he was trying to help her, you know, get happiness in her life. And his life actually became... A tragedy. He eventually would die um, after doctors who literally laughed at him when he told them that he was the husband of Lily, who was such a celebrity. They sent him to an insane asylum because they could not believe that he would marry or be married to her. Like they just thought he was crazy. So his life was kind of quite tragic. But back to Lily. So Lily and Freddie traveled around the country in a private railroad car called the Lily. Lily, I can't say that. Um, Then she returned to England where Lily and Freddie actually broke up because he walked in on her having a private meeting with uh, Lily and the prince, like the one that, you know, literally deserted her after she became pregnant. So they maybe were at it again. I'm not really sure, but Lily actually, she argued that Freddie, quote, lacked proper respect for royalty, (laughs) which just makes me laugh anyway so they were over because of that and after her relationship with Freddie fell through in 1889 she met someone else she met a young bachelor with quote vast estates in Scotland a large breeding stud a horse a racing stable and more money than he knew what to do with and she was smitten Uh, Naturally. So his name was George Abington Baird. He went by Squire Abington, and he was part of a wealthy coal mining family of Scotland. So sadly, he was kind of a jerk. Um, Trigger warning, he actually physically abused Lily. He hit her in the face so hard that it left marks um, on her face that eventually luckily healed but he was really unkind to her um, and you know after this stunt beating her so severely um, he surprised her with quote the world's finest yacht called the white lady and just like gave her a yacht like a yacht would fix everything needless to say that relationship was over and Lily was now approaching her late 40s and this leads us to her last known romance So at 46 years old, she married this man named Hugo de Bath. He was only 27. Um, Luckily, she was able to marry him because her previous husband had finally passed away. So she was able to do that. So she was 46. He was 27. She clearly had a thing for younger guys. And so when she was married to him, uh, you know, they had an okay marriage. It wasn't, you know, a spark sort of marriage, but it was okay. It was fine. And at the age of 59, she starred in a movie. She was like in a motion picture. she made a movie. She was also a producer. So I think she also produced this film. So at 59 years old, she was still you know, involved in cinema, involved in high society. And an actress who toured with Lily um, during this movie tour said of her, even in her old age, quote, It was a late afternoon, and I shall never forget her silhouette against the sky, exactly as she looked in her early photographs. It was a beautiful profile. She was still a handsome woman, rather big, like tall, that's what she means, with the bluest eyes I've ever seen. And so commuting between Liverpool and New York, she met this man, Somerset Magum. He was an English playwright, novelist, and short story writer, and she told him about her old affair with Freddie Gebhardt, the guy that eventually dumped her because he caught her with her ex, the Prince of Wales. (laughs) This is just an exchange between them that he wrote down. So the British author, he asked Lily, you know, who was he? Who was Freddie? And Lily replied, the most celebrated man in two hemispheres. And he said, why? And she said, because I loved him. And he later remarked, it was the proudest thing he's ever heard a woman say. And so after World War One, Lily lived in Villa Lalise in Monaco, while her husband lived in Nice. They saw each other at social gatherings and brief private encounters, but not very often. And she... Lived alone with two poodles and her woman companion. She had this companion that, you know, helped her caretaker. She read, grew flowers, played at the casino, danced with male escorts in Monte Carlo hotels. She really lived it up. But I'm assuming at this point in her life, she kind of just... You know, she started loving herself a bit and not obsessing so much about, you know, finding love and fame and all those things. She just kind of let herself be. And she died in 1929 at the age of 77, surrounded by her pet poodles and one caretaker. She was buried back home in the Isle of Jersey. Um, And her story is just something so interesting to me. I feel like this has definitely inspired some movie characters, some book characters. It's kind of reminiscent of. Um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, if you guys have read that book. She really reminds me of a real-life Evelyn Hugo. Um, But her determination, and her independent spirit, you know, ultimately helped her reach success. Although she did kind of end up alone in the end, I do feel that, like, you know, she definitely catapulted herself to success because she had that je ne sais quoi, that, you know, that energy and the ability to dazzle people even in the simplest of looks you know it was just her persona that shone so bright and she inspires me so Yeah, that's our story for today. Hope you guys enjoyed hearing about the life of Lily Langtree. She's definitely very interesting. Look up some photographs of her if you have some time just to see what she looked like. She has some really beautiful paintings and photographs taken of her. And yeah, her story is so interesting. This was just probably the Sparknotes version, honestly. There's probably so much more else to say. But yeah, Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great Labor Day weekend. And I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye.
0: (music)